0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Ask Julie Ryan Show. I'm so delighted you could join us this week. I have an extraordinary guest that I'm really excited for you all to meet. Her name is Leanne Hall. So Leanne, welcome. Thank welcome you, Julie. Welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. So excited to have you. I think this could be one of the most important shows that I ever do. And I believe that everybody's going to learn a lot from you, as I did. Let me tell you guys about Leanne. Let me give you a little bit of a, of a background here. Leanne Hull is a businesswoman, wife, mom, and a suicide prevention advocate. After the tragic loss of her 16-year-old son, Andy, to suicide, Leanne founded a nonprofit organization called Andy Hull's Sunshine Foundation. The mission of this group is to raise awareness of the high rate of suicide while providing coping skills to deal with life's challenges. With a You Matter approach, the foundation offers education, support, and encouragement resulting in lives being saved. First, my sincere condolences on the loss of Andy to you and your family. I I just can't even imagine going through something like that and uh, my heart goes out to you and all the other parents and and everyone who's lost, lost a loved one especially by suicide since that's our topic today but you know certainly to everybody but but how did you hope how did you get through that you know and it's
2: interesting it is september is suicide awareness month so this is a perfect opportunity for us to have this conversation and it is coming upon 10 years since Andy moved to heaven, uh, December 11th will, this December eleventh, will mark 10 years. So the, it, you know, it's an unbelievable devastation. And, and you're right, it's hard for anybody who hasn't experienced it to imagine it. I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing that you can't imagine it, because it would be too painful for you to and it'd be too terrifying for you to be wondering about that for your, you know, living in that wonder all your life. So the coping part of it, I had some natural coping skills that I had built throughout the years, just my natural personality to begin with, being a business owner, all of the things that I had done in my life gave me a foundation to start with. And then I had to add more into my toolbox of coping skills, which I have, and continue to do for the last 10 years, but was very, very vigilant about that the first year after Andy moved.
0: Well, one of the things that I heard when you gave your talk that I attended was you said, stop asking why, because you're never going to get an answer that's satisfactory. And you'll drive yourself nuts trying to ask why. I had a client this morning whose mom died very unexpectedly recently of a heart attack. No known heart issues at all died and they were, she's still in shock. And she said, why we were talking to the mom's spirit. She kept saying, why, why, why? And I parroted what I heard from you. If you keep asking why you're never going to get a, an answer that's going to be satisfactory, but anything you want to add to that? Absolutely. You know, I think, I don't think I absolutely know that I had,
2: um, divine direction minutes after Andy moved, after he transitioned, just the things that came out of my mouth, the way that I processed things. And for me, the thing that came out was instead of why, why not me? You know, I instantly thought about all the other parents and all the other people in the world who'd suffered tragedies and traumas. And if they could survive, why couldn't I? And so that why question, I always, I I mentor a lot of parents I mentor a lot of people, regardless of whether they've lost a child or just a, a tragedy in their life, the asking why. So if I got an answer, if I asked God or whomever you um, relate to, why did Andy die by suicide? And, and he says, Leanne, this is why. And I would be like, oh, okay, does it change anything? Is Andy... Does it bring him back? Does it make me feel any better? Because I might know why? No. So until I have that moment when I'm on the other side, it doesn't matter. And I've always said that even then, by the time I get to the other side, it won't matter then either because I'll be with Andy. And it's just an irrelevant question. It's a torturous question that serves no purpose.
0: Interesting response. When you were saying all these other people have survived this, you made me remember when I was about ready to give birth to my son, Jonathan, I remember thinking brilliance and cabillions of women have done this and survived. I can too. Cause I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? And, uh, and, and it really does give you strength Yes, in, in all situations to say, okay, There have been how many, who knows how many people that have gone through this and survived. And I can too.
2: I think one of the, the most difficult thing, well, obviously the loss that you experience is the initial most difficult thing you're going to experience. But then the isolation that can come with it. And so that connection oh, I just got goosebumps. That connection immediately, immediately for me allowed me to not feel so alone in my suffering and connected me with all of these other people that I didn't know in the world, but I knew I wasn't alone. And that helped me a lot. I felt instant companionship with the suffering of, of humanity, I guess.
0: Wow. Yeah. Suicide numbers seem to be rising. Oh, it seems all of a sudden, I don't know if it's just in my awareness or if they really are. And I had three clients in one day, and and most days I'll talk to four or five clients on on hour-long private sessions. I had three clients in one day who lost children due to fentanyl overdoses. And the authorities said it, it was... Death by suicide, and the parents weren't so sure about that. What is going on with the suicides? You know it's I've
2: said many times, and I get a lot of pushback from it that so many I'm going to change my words instead of so many. There are instances of overdoses that in in my mind and my experience, what I've seen are just an extension to suicide, because what we do in society, it's one of the things that I teach in helping people to move forward after loss, after whatever that is, is that we in society tell people that you should numb your pain. One of the first things that people did within an hour after Andy passed when I finally got up off the concrete, my well-meaning friends, and they do, they love me. The first thing they wanted to do was hand me a glass of wine and a Xanax because our society says that's the go-to. When you lose a game, a, a sports game, you go to the bar and commiserate. When you win a game, you go to the bar and celebrate. When you get have a bad day at work, you come home, you open a bottle of wine, and To numb the pain. And so we have not ever, recently, we do not face our struggles in this world. And consequently, if we don't as adults model that behavior to our kids, there's no way, nothing that's going to come out of our mouth to tell our kids how to handle the challenges they're going to face in this world if we don't model it first. I didn't drink at all the first year after Andy passed because I knew that that one drink would probably lead me to take my life it would be it would it would take away any of the anything that might hold me back from still being here on the planet and I wanted to still be here a little part of me and alcohol is a depressant I drink cautiously now I tell people if you feel like you need a drink you shouldn't have one I drink socially when I want to or because I I want to have the flavor of it or whatever. But our kids are doing the same thing and they're they're playing with pills instead of alcohol because that's their easier go to because it's harder to go buy a bottle of booze at the store than it is to order an online pill. And that's a problem. They don't know how to cope.
0: Do you think that that's what's causing the suicide rate going yes. up? Is it just that the kids don't know how to cope? And what about people who are older? Is it, it's not just kids that are dying by suicide? It's people of all ages.
2: Well, there's a lot of pressure in the world. Not that there hasn't been in the past. So there has. If you if we look at the depression era and times like that, the depression era had a pretty high rate of suicide as well. Uh, I just watched a show, I don't know if you've seen it, 1883. It's it's the prequel to the hit uh, series Yellowstone. Oh, yeah. And Tim McGraw and Faith Hill are in that series. In this series, 1883, in that year, it shows on that show three significant people ending their life by guns. I found that really startling. That and and yet i i know that that was a reality but should we continue to perpetuate that on tv and that is what we've done for our society is that every you, we're bombarded with it 24/7 whether it's um cable news whether it's social media we are we have no retreat and people don't know how to retreat because we're addicted to our devices
0: well and video games for god's sakes yes. video games are they're probably as bad as anything, right? Because it it makes it a game and it makes it not seem real. Yes, when they're playing
2: finances for older people, I would tell you finances uh, in regards to maybe medical bills or the pressures, the challenges. It's very expensive to live these days, and isolation. My aunt is eighty five years old. No one goes to visit her except me that isolation, that's hard. Mm-hmm. So our yeah. longer terms, uh, we live longer, which I'm not, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. I don't know. Um, how do you extend your finances to 85 years old? How do you, how does your body function at 85? Where's your your group of friends by the time you're 85? Most of them have passed. So it's a very, it's a very odd thing
0: to the longer we live, I think the more hazardous it is. It's interesting you're saying that because today is my mother's birthday and she's been gone 20 years. And I was talking with my brother earlier this morning on my walk. And I said, yeah, Nana, Nana would have been 97. My mother, Mary Jo, would have been 97 today. And I said, she would have hated that.
2: <laughs> he laughed and he said, you're right. She would have. Oh my mom too. Yeah. And my mom's birthday was the 20th and she would have been 83. And she also passed when she was almost 77, like your mom. And my mom loved being beautiful. She was beautiful. And she would have not wanted to be, to be older.
0: <laughs> oh, funny. Well, it looks like you got her jeans because uh, you're beautiful, just like your mama. You. So the biggest takeaway that I got from your talk was to say death by suicide instead of so and so committed suicide please explain to everybody listening and watching why you choose those words and what the what the deeper meaning not only to the memory and the honor of the memory of the person who's passed but also to the family, to the parents, to the family, to the extended family and friends.
2: And no matter what I say, how I say it, there will always be someone that I offend. So I always tell people, don't get stuck on the words, but the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, big, huge national organization, they made a push several years back to change the verbiage from committed because that insinuates a crime that someone has done something that's criminal, which in fact, completing suicide used to be criminal. So we want to take it away from the criminal element and, and give it new a new title so that we can view it differently because there's so much stigma and shame, stigma and shame for the person that has passed that way and for the ones that are left behind. So I always say Andy moved to heaven. I don't even you know and that's just my my words but technically what the american foundation for suicide prevention likes is death by suicide dies died by suicide or completed suicide because there are people that attempt suicide there are also ones that complete it so it just kind of gets rid of any kind of criminal Thought process there getting rid of the stigma and shame is very important if we're going to change the suicide rate also because if you can't talk about it you can't prevent it
0: well and in addition to the criminal aspect is the sin aspect well, they committed a sin certainly you're... there have been many many religions and uh ways of thinking that it was it was really a, a huge sin if you took your own life. And so when you say committed suicide, to me, I get the, the legal ramifications and the insinuations, but I also get the sin one too, which I think most cultures and religions have walked back on that at this point. And if they haven't, I hope the heck they do soon, because it's, it's a brain disease. It's a brain illness. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? I think there are many
2: types, many reasons, many um, ways that suicide occurs. So for Andy, his was not a mental illness. His was not what I would consider a disease. It was a moment. I was just talking about this with another mom here last night, and we both, you know, we were talking about that, that. It wasn't, Andy was sunshine. Andy was a bright, happy, well-adjusted, amazing kid. It was one moment. That's it. And I never really understood that. I wrote a book called How to Live When You Want to Die. And so after Andy moved to heaven, I understood that moment different than I could have ever possibly understood it before, because I walked up to the edge of that moment. And it would have been very easy for me to leave. And looking at it and recognizing how quickly that moment can change, I understood that it wasn't a long process for us or for me or for Andy. It is for some people. Obviously, they struggle with mental illness and disease and long-term depression, But that wasn't the case for Andy. And it wasn't the case for how I was feeling after Andy moved.
0: That's a really good point, because a lot of the families with whom I work, they their children overdosed. And uh, even if the authorities are calling it death by suicide, they they know that this child maybe was a college kid, maybe was a high school kid, maybe was older took something that was laced with something they didn't know was in it. Right. And And it was an instant. So that's a really good point. And I certainly have talked with many families whose children not only have, they knew that that's what happened, but then when we communicated with their spirit, they reiterated and validated that that's what actually had happened to them.
2: Andy's was actually reported by his dermatologist. He he had started taking a prescription drug. I'm not going to name it <laughs> because I don't want to get in trouble uh, in a litigious way. But um, and that drug, I had to sign a waiver that said that suicide, psychosis and depression are potential side effects. I signed the waiver. Andy was a happy kid. I'm a good mom. I certainly would know if something was happening with my kid. but. It affected his frontal lobe where the clear thinking is. And for a a teenage boy in particular, their brains are not fully developed until they're 30. So Andy's got a half-developed brain that's being affected by chemicals that have the potential to not allow him to process life's challenges, life's whatever he may face. I didn't connect the dots until the dermatologist called me after Andy passed. And he said... I have reported it to the FDA. Andy was the most well adjusted kid I've ever met. And this is the cause of his suicide. I saw a medium, wonderful, wonderful woman, 40 days after Andy moved. Very much against my religious indoctrination. I was an evangelical Christian. So that was a no no. I knew I was going to hell if I went to see her, but I went anyway. So Andy said at the beginning of the session, Mom, my blood was poisoned. And I went, wow. So it was just confirmation that that had impacted him. Did it change that he died by suicide? No. It And so all of these little details, just so many people get stuck on them and hung up on them. It was information for me to process and add. But um, ultimately, what he said at the end of the session is what moved me forward. And he said, my mom's tough as nails, and she's going to be fine. Mm
1: -hmm. And I
2: walked out of there, and I vowed to live every day to prove that kid right, to do whatever I had to do, prove him right, and to honor him.
0: How wonderful. Well, along the lines of the medium thing, the Helping Parents Heal conference where we met is so extraordinary, because there were a thousand people there, all of whom had lost a child, and that was my first time going to a a group of parents who'd lost a child, you know, especially in that big of a number. They were joyful, they were having fun there were certainly there were some tears shed, but everybody was coming at it from a place of I know my child is around me. I know their spirits around me. And the one common denominator that I found that helped those people that were there, the attendees with their grieving. And I think this is a big lesson to all of us is they know that their child is around them in spirit because they have talked to a medium Mm -hmm. and the medium has come through with information that there's no way the medium could know. Sometimes information about current things. I talked to somebody yesterday and we talked to his deceased grandmother who was very close to him. And she said, You got to get those two boy two by fours out of the room before you trip on them. And he started laughing. And I said, Do you have a bunch of two by fours sitting around? He said, Yes, we're remodeling the room. And yes, they're all over. Wow. You know, I'm I'm on a phone call with him. I'm not on an audio or I'm not on a video thing with him. So when we get information from spirit like that, it really helps us know that our loved ones are around them and we can communicate with them.
2: Yes. I, I gave myself permission to go back and see her every six months for the first two years. You know, I knew that I called him my intergalactic conversations with my kid. I knew that, um, I couldn't, I I didn't want to be dependent on that, but I also knew that while I had that Christian foundation of knowing that my kid was in heaven, I wanted more information. I wanted to know what heaven was like. I wanted to, I needed more. I wanted more definitive information, and so I was hungry for that, and I had a couple of instances, you know, and we can talk about it if you want at some point in time. I did get to make a trip to heaven, so that was really awesome. And then um, that same medium, my husband passed just two years ago on the night of our 40th anniversary. And she called me the next day and she said, Leanne, you know, I don't do readings for people who are newly grieved, but she she says, I know you're not crazy. So she says, your people want to talk to you. Can I give you a reading on Wednesday? And I said, absolutely. I'd love to tell you a highlight of that. if that's sure. okay, right please do. Yeah. So it was the the. I mean, my husband was not sick at all; just a beacon of health, amazing. And he had he was working out of state, came home to celebrate our 40th anniversary. We had a great day. We had just purchased signed the papers on eight acres of property up in the North Country, and he had walked the property, showed me where he was going to lay the house out, he was going to build our house, and this was the retirement plan. In a year, he'd quit, and we would go do that. And so we celebrated with our kids, and then I had planned this special evening to dance around the fire pit, him and I, and I'd put together this collaboration of music that represented our. Really 45 years of being together. And my oldest son videotaped us dancing around the fire pit to this to these songs. And I posted it on Facebook that night. It was it was really a perfect day, perfect evening. And then in the middle of the night, I heard a really loud yell, not a scream, but a yell. It woke me up and I reached over to the side of the bed to feel if my husband was there and he wasn't. And so I got up and I walked in and, and I thought I saw him standing in the bathroom. I mean, I was sure at that moment that he was standing in the bathroom. And I said, are you okay? And he said, yes, I'm fine. I went back to bed. Got up the next morning. He wasn't in bed. Walked out to the living room. And I could see, I get up really early in the morning. So it was just beginning to get light. But it was still dark enough. But I could see him sitting in the chair in front of the window. And he was sitting upright with his arms on the, on the armchair. On the arms and then his legs were propped up on the coffee table and he was just sitting there. So I walked on by, made my coffee, came back around, kissed him and he was cold. And I knew that he had passed. And so long story short, when this medium, when she gave me the reading, the first thing she said is, your husband, Clay, is standing there. He's showing me a bullhorn and he's yelling as loud as he can to wake you up. Ah, she says which is what I heard, to say goodbye to you. I knew that was his apparition in the bathroom. His spirit. Spirit. He had already left, and that was him waking me up to say goodbye. Oh, wow. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah.
0: So I have goosebumps all over my whole body now. And you know, those goosebumps are called truth bumps or validation Mm. bumps, angel bumps, whatever you want to call them, but that's spirit going. Yep. That's That's it. That's exactly what happened. Well, several things from that. Number one, I believe, and I've heard countless times from spirit. We all decide when we go, where we go, how we go, who's with us or not when we go, what those circumstances are. Our spirit decides that we may not be cognitive, cognitively deciding that cognizant of, okay, I'm going to leave tonight at 1132 PM, but our spirit knows that. And we choose it, choose everything. And, and I got to think the queen just died. Queen Elizabeth just died. What did she do? She got through her silver Jubilee or not silver, whatever it was, platinum Jubilee and she swore in the new prime minister and she exited stage left two days later now yeah. you tell me that that that's not her deciding okay i'm ready i've done everything that i need to do and i'm ready to go to heaven to be with my husband and my loved ones i i think that's a remarkable story Leanne, my goodness
2: it's really beautiful i i tell him all the time <laughs> you couldn't have made something more amazing to talk about for me than that. That was just because I had I have a huge following on Facebook. So all these people who are following this video I posted and they're commenting what a beautiful dance and how lovely. And then I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to tell all these people that he left? You know, it was, I was, it was very and and I would tell you that losing him has been harder than losing my son.
0: Oh, I'm sure
2: yeah. I I would. If, well, I, I absolutely would have told you before that, that you were crazy if you told me that, that there's nothing worse than losing a child. But I lost my I was with my husband from the time I was 15. I was going to ask you if you got married when you
0: were five, 20, but we were together since I was 15. Wow. Well, and the reason why I understand why that was harder was because your bucket was already full with losing Andy. And yes. then my goodness, losing your husband, talk about a, an overflow situation. I completely well, My mom understand.
2: in between that, and I'm an only child. She's my only parent. And then my son-in-law just nine months ago. Wow. It's been a lot of loss in our
0: family. A lot. Oh my goodness. One other thing on that back circling back to the sin thing that we discussed before. Most people aren't aware of this. I was born and raised and still am a practicing Roman Catholic. And Pope Francis put out an an, an encyclical, I think they call it, in 2016. And if anybody wants a copy of it, just email me and I'll send you a link to it, where it's kind of like a newsletter kind of thing from the Vatican. And he said that he wanted his pastors to welcome Uh, psychics and healers and mediums because they were doing the work of the Holy spirit. And I thought, wow. Yeah. (laughs) So when people say, well, you know, it's a sin to talk to mediums. I I ship them a link to that. Now you'll be in a coma after about the second or third page. I have a friend that's involved with the Vatican. I say, how do they get those guys to write that stuff? I mean, my goodness, talk about boring and dry. But it's uh, it's really remarkable. I think that that's happening, and we're seeing that trend happening in organized religions. And everybody's interested in spirits, even if they say they aren't. And I I like to have this conversation with people when they say, "Oh, you're talking to the devil." I go, "Oh, okay." And it's usually somebody who's evangelical or like a rabid Catholic or Christian or whatever. And I'll and I'll say, "Okay, well, do you pray?" And they'll say, well, of course I pray. I don't know. They'll get a little defensive. And I'll say, great. To whom are you praying? Jesus, the Virgin Mary, St. Anthony, St. Francis, whomever. I'll say, great. Is Jesus sitting on the couch next to you when you're talking with him? No. Does he answer you? Do you get answers when you pray? Yes, all the time. Okay. So can you see Jesus? Can you touch Jesus when you're talking, talking to Jesus? No. I'll say, well, oh, so you're talking with a spirit talking with jesus's spirit and you could just see the light bulbs going off of their head and they'll and they'll sometimes they'll retreat a lot of times they'll be forthcoming and say i never thought of it that way that puts a whole new perspective on it and it's everybody's interested whether they want to admit it or not the ones that don't want to admit it are because they've been taught that it's evil or it's a sin or something along those lines yeah, and they're, and they're afraid. Have you ever heard of Cozy Earth Bedding? It's your ultimate luxury escape. Cozy Earth sheets are temperature-regulating and incredibly soft, and they even have a 10-year warranty. They're made from organic bamboo and silk, are hypoallergenic, and even antimicrobial. Cozy Earth sheets are so amazing, they've been on Oprah's favorite things list for five years in a row, And I have them on my bed right now. So if you're ready to elevate your sleep, Cozy Earth has a special offer just for my listeners. Go to CozyEarth.com and use the code AskJulie for a 35% discount. That's C-O-Z-Y Earth.com and use code AskJulie for a 35% discount. Upgrade your sleep with Cozy Earth bedding. I love them and so will you or because they've been taught that it's evil or it's a sin or something along those lines.
2: Yeah. And they're, and they're afraid. So, I mean, you've been talking to Christians who are apparently more open than my friends, because my friends are not, I I lost most of my friends because of that. I had people say, you know, let me pray over you right away, you know, just very have rejected this whole premise. So, You know, what I do understand about that is from my own experience of having been that evangelical and praying over my children every day. And really, if I'm honest, in a sense, living in fear, which is so odd that you're going to be a faith-based person and your life is filled with fear. But it was. And it was very, it's a weird thing to say, but freeing after Andy passed I was no longer afraid. So that fear left. And, but what it left still was all of that indoctrination. And I've, I've called it like I've been peeling the layers of onions of indoctrination because it's, and it's terrifying because it was my foundation. And when you go through a tragic experience, it's hard to do that. Because you're clinging to anything and ev- and everything that is possibly still normal in your life, and if that faith is the only thing that's still normal and everything else has been up you know exploded, then you're gonna cling even harder and that that's a really brave thing to be able to go, I don't want to see what else is out there, and I've got to release some of this so that there's room to add some new and that's been unfair it's still ongoing this is 10 years i'm a lot
0: better but uh there's a lot of old thought processes still there well sure that's what you were taught that's yes. what you were conditioned to think and that's what governments and religions and and different cultures have done since the beginning of time because how do they control people exactly. with fear yes. what's the media all about fear yeah they want eyeballs watching the TV because you're in fear and you want to see what's happening so you can try and protect yourself. And so it's, it's all about fear. And the other thing that's interesting about all of this fear stuff to your point is that's not why we're here. We're supposed to live lives of joy. And that's what every spirit with whom I've spoken whether it be with a client or in a class that I'm teaching or or however is life is for the living it's supposed to be joyful if you're in fear check it out is this a real fear is this a fake fear if it's a real fear get out of the road before the truck runs you over if it's a fake fear okay realize it's a fake fear and move on because spirit doesn't communicate on the I feel crappy channels the vibration's too low that's what I always tell people when they say, well, my mom hasn't given me any signs since she's been gone. I'll say, talk to your mom before you go to sleep at night, say, Hey mom, visit me in my dreams. Because when we sleep, our brains can relax. We're not in the middle of fear. So we're at a higher vibration level and it's easier for spirit to communicate with us. It's one of the Many things I teach in my classes is how to communicate with spirit. And the key is you got to raise your vibrational level to the same level as them. One of the graduates of my cl- one of my classes is lost her little boy when he was 10. And she does the electronic voice phenomena mm-hmm. method where she plays, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, she plays a tape recorder and she'll talk to him and then she'll go back and listen to the tape and she can hear his voice. And I've heard some of the recordings and the first thing he he always says is, hi, mommy. And it's <laughs> she says it sounds just like him when he was little. It's hi, mommy. And she can get that on his recording. The other thing is there's been so much university-based research in the past several years, especially 10 years, that show without a doubt with a 99.9% accuracy rate that that the spirit does exist beyond bodily death, and I, I believe that as science is catching up with woo woo-woo, woo woo woo, has been around for forever, and it's in all the ancient scraps. My gosh, it's in the it's all throughout the Bible. Yes. So and so's talking to so and so, and you know, talking to the three kings, saying, "Hey, go back by a different way." The angel appeared to Joseph and said, "You know, get Mary out of town." Whatever. It's all throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament every religion and culture has information in it about spirit communicating with, with those of us who are just mere mortals. So I want to hear about your experience with, you said you've been to heaven, you know, that what a tease. All right. So you got to tell us about what happened there.
2: You know, I did it in uh, with a uh, Dr. Mark Pitstick who does hypnosis and i never thought that that was going to be possible with me but it was and i made a a very amazing trip to heaven it was it was so fabulous because as soon as i crossed over the threshold andy was there i've actually been there twice i've been there once before my husband passed and once after he passed and so they're very different experiences so interesting but anyway andy was there and it was it was just instantly it wasn't like oh mom i'm so glad to see you he's like mom i've got a baseball game can we do you mind coming and watching i'm like oh, I can't think of anything I'd rather do. So, you know, we went and how, however we got there, but I'm sitting on the bleachers and I'm watching him pitch. He was a left-handed pitcher, very gifted. And he said, he yells out to me, mom, they let me, I can throw my knuckleball here. And he had, his coach was the Kansas City Royals pitching coach. So they were very strict, would never let him throw his knuckleball here. He was very, irritated at that because he loved throwing the trick balls but he was that was so interesting to hear him say that and then I could sense my mom and grandma were were sitting on the bleachers with me but another interesting thing happened I heard a man sitting next to me and I heard him go spin that ball Andy spin that ball and I turned and I went oh Dave you're here well and he said yes of course where else would I be Dave's son was the catcher for my son when Andy pitched and Dave passed uh, a few months before this experience and so I it was so interesting who would have thought that I'd run into Dave and then um, you know the game went on and there were many other things that happened through the game watching him play ball watching him hit how joyous all the players were even though they were super competitive and then we we Andy said hey we've got a family picnic We went to the family picnic and Andy loved jumping off cliffs on rivers and creeks and stuff like that. And he's like, come on, mom, let's jump. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to lay down here on this big, warm, wonderful rock and watch you jump. And so he jumped and I could see my family all along the, the creek side just picnicking, whatever you do is, you know, all those things you do as a family. But then Andy, after spending some time there, he said, Mom, I've got one more person for you to see. And this was so important to me because it was earlier on and I was really struggling with my faith and blending my spiritual journey and how that all went together. And we, as we were traveling, the closer I got, I could feel, and I can feel it now, this I could hardly talk. This presence in front of me that I didn't, I had no idea. And then all of a sudden, I felt Jesus uh, put his hands on either side of my forehead and bring my head forward. He kissed me on my forehead. And I, I felt at that moment, his approval of my journey, his love, his acceptance that this was all one, one thing. This was not these aren't separate. This is not separate. And I, um, and when I finished, you know, I was crying and just here physically crying, but not sad, just overwhelmed with emotion. And then Andy was like, okay, I got to go mom. (laughs) And we went back and, and it wasn't sad. It was like, I'll see you. And he left and I went back and it has sustained me. It is, it was so,
0: so amazing. It was so amazing. What a gift. Yeah. Yeah. To help you with your grieving and your Mm -hmm. preparation that your husband was getting ready to exit as well. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What an, what a just remarkable story. Thank you for sharing that. My goodness. I had goosebumps the whole time you were telling it.
2: It was so fun. I'm sure you can sense that. I just, uh, it was so clear to me that he's not sitting on some cloud listening to a harp, you know, he's playing baseball. He's jumping off cliffs. He's, he's living. And I love that. It's, I love that.
0: I don't doubt that at all now. Right. Right. How fun. Well, back to the human side of the equation. Mm I can imagine that when Andy passed, it was uncomfortable for you because your friends wanted a bunch of information, wanted to know what happened, how did it happen, what's going on. I hear that from parents who tell me, what do I say to people? It's so awkward. And also, you alluded to this earlier, that there are people who are so uncomfortable with those circumstances that they stay away. Because they don't know what to say and they don't want to invade your privacy. I think they really care, but they just, they don't know what to say or do. So please address, how do you handle that if you're the family member or the parent of somebody who's passed by suicide or anyway? And also, how do we as friends and family members support the people and the loved ones who've lost somebody very close to them?
2: Two very important things. Obviously, the first one I'm going to talk about is is much easier to do on down the road, but remember this, practice will make it easier. And so be intentional about this journey. Control the narrative. It's something that I did from the very first because I did not want Andy to be defined by how he passed. I wanted people to remember who he was. That's the most important thing for a parent who's lost their child or lost a loved one or anything. They just don't want their loved ones to be forgotten. So if you control the narrative, one of the biggest fears for newly bereaved people is how do I answer those questions? How many children do you have? How old are your kids? Oh, you've lost one. How did that child pass? So you can anticipate. You you know those questions are going to come anytime you meet someone new. So I don't even wait for the questions. I control the narrative from the very beginning as we introduce ourselves. I'm Leanne. I have four kids. Three here. One's in heaven. Andy died by suicide. He was an amazing kid. I'm happy to tell you about him. So. It, it has dispelled any uncomfort from, from anybody's perspective. First of all, I'm no longer sitting, waiting, wondering, what are they going to say? How am I going to say it? How am I going to answer? I've prepared a statement in advance. It's not a statement anymore because I'm just excited to say it. But at the beginning, knowing what you're going to say, something short, something brief that addresses the fact that you have a, a loved one in heaven or whatever you're going through, you can, if you've lost your job, I lost my job and I'm looking for this other one. You can control that so that you're not in the risk, just being the passive recipient. You can be the the person that is intentional and controls your journey, no matter, because there are things that are going to happen to you. I'm not saying you can control all the things that happen to you, but you absolutely can control the message that you're going to send out afterwards prepare the message that you're going to deliver after whatever has happened to you in your life. And when I tell people that I, I'll have people ask me about my tattoo and it's, it's, it says Andrew and it's his handwriting that was taken from his homework. And people will say, oh, is that your son? And I'll say, yes, he died by suicide and that's his handwriting. And my face right there tells them it's okay to talk about him. He was an awesome kid. That's that's his handwriting. You know, so I'm excited to be able to share. Let me tell you about him. And or I wear his picture. Is that your son? Yes, he died by suicide. I'm not ashamed of it, and that is instantly people understand that because I'm saying it. And the more we say it, I am not uncomfortable with it. I could tell you details and things that would make you uncomfortable that I won't do, but I could because I've said them enough that I own them. I'm no longer the passenger in the airplane. I am the pilot.
0: Well, it's probably universe. a little startling and surprising to people when you say that they're because yes. they're not used to that. That's a new a new way to respond to those questions and and they're not trying to be disrespectful or anything. They don't know. Right. They don't know what they don't know. And then how do we, how can we help support people who have lost a loved one? When we, when we're, we're uncomfortable and we feel like, okay, we want to give them space or we, what can we do? I somebody said three, 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 you call them. 3 days after their loved one passed 3 weeks and then 3 months. I don't know that there's any set rule that sounded a little far-fetched to me but but 24. how do we how do we do that? I know funeral food's a big thing. I have a friend who lost a son and so I I went to Costco. I mean, I got a shopping cart full of food that they could just heat up and I knew there'd be a lot of people in and out and I took it with flowers and a card. And that was something that I could do the night that their son passed. But what what can we do? What can we say? What What is it, is there a general rule of thumb that we can use?
2: The biggest mistake I think people make is asking and telling people, let me know if you need something. When you're in that state of trauma, you can't, you can't even think for yourself, let alone think for someone else. So while you think you've done a good thing and saying, I'm here for you, let me know if you need something. The fact of that matter is that person's never going to call you because they can't, not because they don't want to, but they can't. So the, the most important things that happened for me, I had two important friends that stayed. They were there for the first full year, all the time. They literally would just, I never had to ask them to come. They didn't call me and ask if they could come. They just showed up at my door. And if I wasn't in the mood to talk with them, I might just go to my bedroom and they'd still be out there in the living room. And I knew that I could go to sleep. I could do whatever I wanted to do. So they were not going to interfere with whatever I needed. I didn't have to entertain them. I didn't have to talk to them, but it was comforting to know that they were there. I I wanted, I did want that. I wanted to know that there was someone there and, and that I also wasn't responsible for them. They'd lock up the house and they'd leave after I went to sleep. And so that was a There was a routine, an assuredness that I knew that there were going to be people that came to my house that weren't requiring anything from me. And then the food thing, while the food thing's good, the food thing is really overwhelming for the refrigerator because, in fact, you really don't want people to keep coming over and staying and eating because that's too much. But the people that brought me toilet paper and paper towels and garbage bags, I remember the last garbage bag I went through a year later and I thought, That has saved me a year of having to think about that and how thankful I was. So those um, things that are going to that you don't have to put in the refrigerator that are the essentials are really, really helpful. And you could just stock someone up on that. You can leave things on the doorstep. Just don't wait for someone to ask for help. That's the biggest thing I would tell you. And if you're afraid. Don't be, they will lead the way. They'll tell you if they answer the door and say, I'm really not up to this. Okay, but they at least know you showed up. So, show up absolutely show up.
0: Show up, or if you're far away, at least text or call or send a card. I loved cards. Phone calls were hard. Um, texting
2: is easier to communicate until you're ready to talk, and so, um, just those continued tax the those were so important because people do leave right away and and more importantly is after that first year the reality of your life really sets in and you and mostly then by by then everybody's left and then you're stuck with oh this is my reality it's so important for people to be there the second year hey let's go to a movie let's go for coffee Sending that card, like you said, the birthday card. And then those dates, plan for those dates. For someone who's had a a loss, don't let those dates sneak up on you. You're going to experience the holidays coming up. I just wrote my uh, article for the newsletter, the Helping Parents Heal newsletter. And it's addressing, anticipating the holidays and how do you do that. And it isn't by just waiting. Waiting you know, it is by planning. For me, it is. And for so many people, you know, that I've worked with, that helps a lot to make a plan, a plan for their angel date, a plan for their birth date, a plan for Christmas, a plan for Mother's Day.
0: Well, as a community involved person, and even a congressional candidate at one point, I saw in your bio, my goodness, that's a big deal. Uh, Do you believe that your life really was preparing you for the work that you're doing now with the foundation? And I want you to tell us all about the foundation, especially what's a sunshine reader and and tell us about the you matter part of your your work.
2: Do I believe that it was preparing me? I think that. I have used rather than maybe my views are not necessarily that I was being prepared for this, but all of my experiences, I am taking advantage of, I'm using them to help continue moving my journey forward. So even my the congressional race, hey, I came in last place out of 10 candidates. But Hey, it was a big. It was a u. It was a U.S. congressional seat, and there were some amazing people that were running against me, and we had the opportunity to have because it was so. Um, it was such a big race. We had the opportunity. Lots of big corporations invited us in to do debates. Um, U.S.A.A. Cox, people like that, and so I honestly didn't know that one of my gifts was speaking or writing per se, and through that experience of running for office, none of the other candidates ever wanted to go after me because I, I could speak well and I can speak off the hip, you know, just I'm a great debater. And so my responses, I apparently have a pretty good brain. My responses are quick and um, I, I love it. It was invigorating for me. And so what that did though, by coming in last place, first of all, no one felt real threatened by me. So they, there was nothing bad to say about me, so my reputation was intact, not that they would have had anything bad to say anyway, but those connections, when Andy passed, because I ran in 2010 and Andy passed in 2012, and so all of those people that I came in contact with, when I got ready to start the foundation, which was just four months after Andy passed, I reached out to all those people I knew and the doors just flew open. So I had attorneys that did my nonprofit pro bono. I had another a big law firm that does my trademarking pro bono and continues. Both of those law firms continue to manage the foundation. I then went on to lobby and um, implement two bills into law. And because I knew so many congressmen and women and senators and attorney generals and people like that I had the opportunity to to speak everywhere and anywhere we got those laws on suicide prevention and education they I mean those became laws uh, one in 2014 and then one I think in 2019 and it's really because of the education system they they didn't want to talk about suicide and yet it's It's apparently, obviously, it has an impact on education, and our kids spend so much time at school. So this is now mandatory that teachers are required to have so many hours of training of suicide prevention. It's mandatory in the state
0: of Arizona. Wonderful. Are you planning on taking that nationally? Oh, no. I um, Through
2: those experiences, what I understand is I with all the losses that i've had julie i don't i don't need to bang my head against the wall in that large setting i just don't there are other people like the american foundation for suicide prevention they lobby nationally they do those there are other people that are better suited for that i really feel like i've found a niche that is best for my skill set and my anxiety level at the moment you know going through all of that we've gone through i have to manage that so the foundation, all the work that we do here. I do speak nationwide, and we, our foundation, reaches nationwide. But in terms of laws and legalities like that, that's that's not where I'm at at the moment. Now, if the president or somebody called me, of course, I might come running. But
0: <laughs> there you go. Stay tuned. Yeah, he may watch this show, Leanne. Maybe he Maybe. may be he may be calling you sooner than you think. What's a sunshine reader?
2: So the foundation is called Andy Hall's Sunshine Foundation because Andy's nickname was Sunshine. They that's who he was. He was the epitome of sunshine. And that was just the perfect name. So we have three entities in our foundation. One is that I speak all over the country and then the second is our Camp You Matter. Uh, because that's the the mission statement. That's our message that we want to deliver is you matter. And then the Sunshine Readers. So Sunshine Readers is a volunteer organization where we connect someone who, here, and it it is in some other states, but not in a lot of other states yet. It's pretty large in Arizona, and we connect volunteers with their local schools to go in and read to the kids so it's a it's a literacy arm of our foundation while sharing the you matter message so we deliver the you matter wristbands to all the kids that we read to and we're reading books that are life affirming that are positive that are teaching a message that that will um in you know reaffirm that the kids matter so that's a really exciting Thing to do. And, and anybody, any age is really over 18 though. I mean, I have younger kids that want to read, but it, it generally doesn't work out really well because just logistics, getting them there is usually during the school day and, and they're at school. So
0: is it, it for sense. primarily public schools or public and private for any school? Anybody charter, we have all kinds of
2: schools. Um, we've actually done some sunshine readers in some inpatient facilities as well, as well as our Camp You Matter. So I love our Camp You Matter. The Sunshine Readers is designed to connect with kids, ages, kindergarten, really to sixth grade. After sixth grade, teachers don't really bring anybody in to read to them. Now with COVID, we haven't been into any classes for two years. So that's been really challenging. We're just being able to get back into that again, but they're so far behind on education right now, they're not thinking about bringing anybody else in very much. So we're in a holding pattern on that. But Camp You Matter has been able to continue even regardless of COVID. It is an after-school program, or uh, it's been done as a summer camp. It's a 15-week curriculum. It's been uh, reviewed by Johns Hopkins so that's amazing and it is it's like a an outdoor wilderness experience inside the classroom so for so many kids that never get to experience nature we're bringing nature to them because that's such a healing thing nature teaches us so much and so much healing that way and it just is focused on communication skills and patterns of our lives. And it's it's one of the most amazing programs. I love it. Uh, the Girl Scouts have been looking at it. United Way has been looking at it. We have done it as a summer camp. We did it as an inpatient treatment for all the way from kindergarten to 18-year-olds. And um, frankly, it could be used as a team building for corporations. I think it would be superb.
0: Wonderful. Well, terrific. Well, I could talk to you for another hour. Alas, we're going to need to wrap it up. How can people get in touch with you and get in touch with the foundation? How can they learn more about the work that you're doing?
2: The foundation's website is andyssunshine.com. So that's very easy. You can request You Matter wristbands. We ship them all over the world free. No shipping charges, nothing. doesn't matter how many you want. We just shipped 18,000 to a school district in New York. So if you want You Matter wristbands for your organization or your school or whatever it is, um, I wrote my book, How to Live When You Want to Die. You can find that on Amazon. I am on Facebook, Leanne Hall, super easy to find. So is our foundation. We're on Instagram, Twitter. I'm pretty easy to find.
0: Okay. Just just Google Leanne Hall yes. H U L L and you'll find her. Well, like I said when we started this chat, you are an extraordinary woman and God bless you for the work you're doing and and everything that you're going through, continuing to go through and helping others learn how to get through what something that may be similar to what you experienced. So everybody, I'll be back next week with a regular show, sending you lots of love from sweet home, Alabama and Arizona too from Leanne. Bye everybody.
1: Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at ask Julie Ryan and like her on Facebook at ask Julie Ryan.